Praise God. Well, I'm glad to see y'all tonight. I'm glad y'all are here. Glad y'all, you know, came out in the middle of hump day, did stay home, lay on the couch, eat potato chips. Oh, forgive me anybody out there doing that right now. Praise God. Y'all just make your connection and grab hold of the Word of God. That's all right. But I'm glad y'all are here tonight. Glad to see some faces. Amen. Amen. And also, I know y'all are real troopers because I told y'all Sunday that uh, Dr. Brown was going to be teaching again tonight, you know, and so he may tell you something you don't like. And so I'm glad y'all showed up to do that. I'm glad y'all tuned in to do that. Praise the Lord. Something I want to remind you before I forget it is don't forget this Sunday is Communion Sunday. And so all of y'all out watching the broadcast, you need to make sure and prepare your communion if you're going to be watching on Sunday and not at uh, here at service. And uh, but we're going to do things just a little bit different. I'm just going to tell y'all, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of tired of messing around. I'm tired of, of, of just trying to walk on eggshells on everything. I want to serve y'all communion Sunday. So everybody that's in church on Sunday, uh, Laura and I, we're going to serve y'all. Uh, I'm going to have bread. I'm going to ask y'all to come up. You have to stay six foot away. You can have to wear a mask and only take it off when you put the bread in. No. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> now we're having a meal, so you don't have to have a mask. And so anyway, but we're going we're gonna to do this. It's going to be a little odd for those of you in church because I'm going to have to basically do two communion services. I have to serve everybody out there watching and take them through their communion service. Then I want to serve y'all communion here. So anyway, we'll work out that details. I don't know how it's going to all run off, but it's going to be good. Amen. So make sure y'all get your communion prepared at home. It's going to be there for you. It's going to be good. So anyway, Dr. Brown, come on up tonight and uh, y'all give him a hand cap. He flew all the way in from Sabinow. Let me get situated here. So tonight, I want to talk about um, neuroplasticity. And that's a big, fancy scientific word that means that the brain changes itself. Neuroplasticity. And uh, what I do, want to do is just start off uh, with some facts, facts about our brain so that we can have a fundamental understanding of what the brain actually does in terms of neuroplasticity, and then we'll go from there. So the first thing that I want to cover is the fact that our brains are malleable throughout our lifetime. They are molded by positive and negative thoughts and experiences. Intentional mental activity like thinking real hard, intentional mental activity produces structural and functional changes in the brain. And I was thinking about a, an example of that. And um, back when I was uh, in uh, the Air Force, second lieutenant, and I was going to pilot training, and my instructor pilot um, told me in preparation for the next day's flight to practice at home sitting in a chair. And so I would go home and I would sit in a chair and I would have an imaginary stick in my right hand, imaginary throttles in my left one, and just using my imagination alone, I would fly that mission. I would fly aerobatics, I would fly all the different maneuvers that we were going to do using my imagination alone. 
And in doing that, I was firing the same neurons that I would fire the next day in the actual jet out in the area uh, and, and turning upside down in the air. The same neurons were firing if I was using that mental activity as if I were really doing the exercise itself. The next fact is that attention, attention increases nerve cell activity and sculpts the brain's physical structure. It has to take attention. You have to attend to what you're doing. Um, there was an experiment done using primates where they delivered a uh, vibration to the primate's finger and taught the primates how to distinguish between smaller and smaller intervals of frequencies. And the primates learned, and, and the brain waves that, were, uh, that mapped to that finger and to those vibrations actually molded the brain. But if the primate was distracted by a set of tones and actually would receive food in order to look at the tones, if they attended to the tones, then the changes due to the vibration that they were still getting would not happen. So we have to attend to whatever is at hand in order for the brain to change. The next fact is that the brain can add new brain cells through a process called neurogenesis, and those cells can migrate throughout the brain. So the brain has what's known as neural stem cells. They're stem cells that can become the different uh, neurons of the brain. There is a factor in the brain called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that BDNF actually enables the, the neural stem cells to mature and differentiate and migrate to the rest of the brain. So the brain can actually renew itself. Incidentally, BDNF is increased when we exercise. So exercise not only increases our physical strength and our flexibility and our aerobic capacity, but it also um, it gives us a healthy brain. The last point is that the brain's emotional set point can be reset. So for instance, if you have a person who is um, eternally angry and, and, and uh, responds to every situation with anger, that emotional set point in that brain can be changed. So to take all of those facts together, I want to kind of roll them up and, and say this, that willful focus of attention causes neurons to fire together. And neurons that fire together, wire together. And they form new tracks in the brain. And what you practice grows stronger. And what you don't practice grows weaker. So there's a physician by the name of Jeffrey Schwartz that uh, wrote a book called The Mind and the Brain. 
or the brain and the mind. And um, he works with obsessive compulsive disorder. And, um, and, and by actually getting the people with OCD, when they feel compelled to, you know, check the locks 20 times, if he diverts them into another activity, then it rewires the brain. And, um, and then if they continue to practice that, then it gets rid of that deviant track that compels them to do the obsulsive, uh, obsessive uh, behavior, and they can go off and make new tracks in the brain. So what I'd like to do now is take all of those facts, and, and, but I want to look at the scriptural foundation underpinning all of this. So get your Bibles out. And turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now, most of you know that this book, if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, is written to the church at Ephesus. In fact, it says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. So Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, by the way. So in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Now, remember last week, I, I quoted a scripture from Acts 17.28, and Paul said, "...in Him, God, we live and move and have our being." So as Christians, our life is in Christ. Here, it's saying all of us used to live the world's way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Those desires and those inclinations molded our brains. Just like I said earlier, that Positive and negative thoughts and experiences mold the brain. So those experiences, those passionate desires and inclinations of the sinful nature molded the brain. So now what I want to do is tell you about a study that was done in 1998 by a uh, physician in, uh, with Kaiser Permanente Health Group in California and a group of physicians that were from the center for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, Georgia. The title of the study was called Relationship of Childhood Abuse and Household Dysfunction to Many of the Leading Causes of Death in Adults. And the subtitle was the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, or the ACE Study. And that's how you will hear it referred to today. It's the ACE study. 
So what they did is they looked at 9,508 adults, and they um, uh, had a questionnaire to see how many of these 9,508 adults had experienced adverse childhood experiences in seven categories. Those categories are psychological, physical, or sexual abuse, violence against mother, or living with household members who were substance abusers, mentally ill or suicidal, or ever imprisoned. So, as you can imagine, those kinds of things fall into this category I just read about, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. The result of that study was that if they had four or more adverse childhood experiences that fell into those categories, they, the, the likelihood of them experiencing hepatitis in their life increased by 230%. Chronic pulmonary lung disease by 390%. Emphysema or chronic bronchitis by 400%. Depression by 460%. Suicide by 1,220% because of adverse childhood experiences. When their brains were molded due to those experiences, the neurons that fired together, wired together, and those tracks became constant loops that replayed over and over again, and it followed them throughout their life into adulthood, and it resulted in these kinds of things. So even today, um, you can have a, uh, a questionnaire, the ACE questionnaire, 10 questions, and each question is a point. If it's answered positively, you score one point, and you add up the points at the end of the questionnaire, and that's your ACE score, and, and whether they're at risk for those kinds of things. What happens as a result of the adverse childhood experiences is that the, the, the people that have those tend to adopt maladaptive coping behaviors or patterns, and they also have unrelieved and chronic stress, which we've talked about before. And as a result of that, they are in chronic inflammation and their immune systems are suppressed. And then lastly, there are gene changes through a process called epigenetics, where certain genes are either switched on or switched off, uh, res resulting in different kinds of uh, results. Jeannie and I have participated in hundreds of freedom prayers. And we see over and over and over again these kinds of things in freedom prayer. If somebody, for instance, has um, a lot of fear, and we go to the Lord, and we ask the Lord Jesus to show them where that fear began, almost nine times out of ten, it was in their childhood. We've had people go back all the way to 
birth. We've had some even in utero things that were going on, or it may have occurred later in the elementary school years or even in the uh, middle or high school years, but somewhere in there. And what happened there is that their, their brain was molded, the neurons were firing because they either believed a lie through some kind of a wounding or formed an ungodly belief, and that track in the brain was set up and it replayed constantly over and over and over again. And it isn't until the lie is exposed and the truth replaces it that they start firing new neurons that wire together and you form a whole new track in the brain. So let's look, let's continue reading in Ephesians 2. Now we're going to start with verse 4. And I want to show you what, how that can happen, how we get to that place where we can rewire our brain. And, and, and thinking about it within a Christian uh, framework. But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Key verse here, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So, in Christ Jesus, when we believe through grace, by faith, that, that He is the Savior, we become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Newness, new creation. Flip over a page to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to start in verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So you see, when, when we become a Christian, when we believe in Christ, and we are made new, and we are recreated, we can put off that old nature and put on the new, and let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. When the Spirit renews our thoughts and our attitudes, it renews our brain. 
It remolds our brain, and we begin to take on the character of Christ. And we begin to show the fruit of the Spirit. Flip over to Philippians chapter 4. A lot of you know these verses, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'm going to quote it out of the Revised Standard Version. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So remember I used Isaiah 26.3 last week and urged you to memorize it. Thou dost keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So there's the peace. The same peace is in Philippians 4.7, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there is that mindfulness that I talked about last week. Remember Matthew 6.34, they said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Focus on today and the troubles associated with today. It's mindfulness. It's being in this moment. So when we pray, according to Philippians 4, 6, when we have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we make our requests known to God, we're in the moment. We're in that moment, in that communion with Him, talking to Him with those supplications and requests with thanksgiving. But the Holy Spirit didn't didn't stop right there as he was speaking through the Apostle Paul and writing this letter. He, he put on verse 8, and it's exactly what we're talking about tonight. And he says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The Greek word for think about these things means to concentrate on it, to meditate on it, to purposefully and willfully look at it and attend to it. So from all those facts I started with tonight, what's that going to do? It's going to change your brain. It's going to make it true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious. Excellent, worthy of praise. Think on these things. So the Holy Spirit is telling the church, pray about everything. You're going to have peace that passes understanding. And then continue to think about these things. And then guess what happens? We come all the way back to Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So look at what's going on here. When we put off our old nature, when we have been recreated, we now have the the pure milk of the Word, which is eternal, unchanging truth, that we can now think on these things 
and our mind is renewed and we are transformed. That transformation and that renewal of your mind is inextricably linked to the will of God. We prove His will. That word for prove means to test, to show that it is genuine. It is the real deal. And so whenever we are changing our minds through meditation and mindfulness, and we are rewiring our brains after the, the truth of the Word, then we show God's will in all of its perfection, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen? Okay. So that, in, in however long it's taken me, is kind of neuroplasticity in a nutshell. There's a lot more to it that I don't have time to go into. So what I want to do now, I want to end with a story. <clears throat> this story comes from one of my patients who's given me permission to tell his story. <clears throat> my patient, is, his name is Fred. Fred is a 76-year-old man, and um, he has osteoarthritis of the right hip that had degenerated enough that he was actually scheduled for a right hip replacement. However, the coronavirus pandemic hit, and it was an elective surgery, so it was canceled. I uh, asked Fred, would you be interested in an integrative medicine plan for you? And it may be that if you follow this plan, you won't ever have to go to surgery. He said, what do you think? Yes. So I uh, wrote up an integrative medicine plan that was based on the four pillars of health, but it also um, aimed at the uh, different parts of who we are, not just his body, but also his mind or soul and his spirit. Now, Fred is a Christian, and so um, as part of his plan in, in, in um, tailoring it to the spiritual, I recommended that he begin to memorize the Word of God. He hadn't memorized the Word up until that point. And one of the early verses that he memorized was Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He memorized that verse. But then I wanted to teach him about um, uh, meditation and also mindfulness. And so I suggested that he meditate on Galatians 2.20. Only as he was meditating, I asked him to consider three questions and to use his imagination while he was meditating on the Word of God. And I asked him to consider, what does it look like to let Christ live his life in you and for you 
to die to your old life. What does a life lived in faith look like in your imagination? And what does that have to do with the healing of your hip? I want to read his answer to you. One week, about a week later, he sends me a weekly update via email. And um, I'm, going, I'm just going to quote him. Here's his answer. I suspect that this might not surprise you, but after taking your advice on Wednesday to meditate on Galatians 2.20, a truly remarkable thing happened. I again experienced an unexpected and tearful emotional release, and my pain level went down afterwards for a short time to about two out of a scale of ten. This happened because, as I completed the meditation, I felt the Holy Spirit fill my heart and soul, my whole being, with light and joy. As I answered the questions you posed in your recommendation, I experienced a new and first-time faith-motivated understanding and fulfillment. Once I considered being crucified with Christ, I realized that I had died through Him to sin, which includes anger, resentment, impatience, unforgiveness, and pride. Hence, having released all that, I can now accept that I am no longer the angry, unhappy, judgmental of self and others, habitually intractable person I was. And I will never again have to be that person. Further, because Christ lives in me, I now live in this body by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, I can see and do things the way the Holy Spirit directs me. Instead of asking what would Jesus do, I will see through His eyes and act accordingly. Finally, because I recognize the incredible gift of my restored soul, my body, and especially my hip, is the resident Christ to mend and restore as well. Indeed, I believe that I have followed St. Paul's advice in Romans 12.1. I have offered my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And in so doing, I have for the first time ever, all caps, found my true and proper worship. I am now certain that he who lives in me will see to it that this integrative medicine program succeeds and that my hip mends along with my far less tortured soul and mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was a revelation of the Holy Spirit through meditation on the Word of God. But it doesn't stop there. I want to read to you now a report that he sent me recently because I had um, 
recommended several books for him to read that had to do with mindfulness, exploring mindfulness in a much deeper way than I have taught here in this series. Uh, one of the books that I had him read was a book called Rewire Your Mind, and uh, it's by Dr. Shauna Shapiro. And so he, he read that book, and he began to practice the mindfulness. It's a very pragmatic uh, way to approach mindfulness. And um, he got, uh, he received a text late one night, reporting a family drama, which I don't want to go into, that involved his daughter and son-in-law, that actually caused his hip pain to reach a 7 to 8 out of 10. And uh, there had been a lot of family drama prior to this, and, and he had reacted to that. But this is what he says this time. However... Important this time is this. I deferred responding to the text immediately, which I was sorely tempted to do. Instead, I engaged my mindfulness pause and examined the situation with kindness and curiosity. Rather than reacting with an HPA leap off the deep, and if you remember that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis is our fight or flight mechanism. So he's saying rather than take a HPA leap off the deep end, I chose, underlined, to evaluate things and respond. After carefully and non-judgmentally considering what little I knew, I sent a text a, a little over a day later which read, this makes me very sad. I love you both. My blood pressure readings and pain level returned to more normal and tolerable levels shortly after I hit send. I am successfully rewiring my brain, as I have been studying to do, despite my desperately broken heart. My children are constantly in our prayers and always included in my daily loving-kindness meditations. Just this past week, I got an updated report, and I just wanted to share this little snippet from it. I have experienced a perspective shift, and I can actually feel my hip changing. God continues to help me successfully rewire my brain as I have been studying to do. He's putting effort into it. And he's attending to the Word of God, and the Lord is rewiring him and making him like Jesus. So I want to conclude with this. I'm going to read from Psalm 139 out of the living, New Living Translation again. And this is starting with verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Our brain is a wonderfully complex organ and our mind that He has given us. God, right there, created our identity and our destiny. He knew all about it before we were ever born. And even though the world and the one that controls the world wants to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Our brain and our mind can be renewed day by day. And my exhortation to you, to the church, is that you need to be diligent in taking care of it. Amen? Amen. Okay. So that concludes a little teaching on neuroplasticity and what we can do and how we can walk and we can change our mind. And with that, I'm going to turn everything back over to Pastor Robert. Praise God. Give him a hand clap. You know, I can barely even say neuroplasticity. And, you know, I I just want to encourage you all about something, because I want to pray for you here in just a minute. You know, it was about a month or so ago when uh, Laura and I were drinking our coffee and praying in the morning that we felt like the Holy Spirit told us to get uh, Dr. Brown teaching along these lines. And, and at first I was like, I know it's all good stuff. He and I have done a lot of sharing back and forth. He's helped me a lot. And, and, but then I knew it was going to be good, but as he's teaching up here and I'm just sitting here watching this whole thing, thinking about how awesome it is that from a perspective of a, of a medical physician talking about, we were, we rewiring the brain and how much Christian teaching we've heard over the years about, well, you need to renew your minds, you re- need to renew your minds, but then it's something completely different to listen to it from his perspective saying, this is what literally is taking place in your head while you're doing it, because, I mean, you know, we don't see that, and to hear that, and I really don't think you're through, I think, I think there's more that you need to, to keep working at and keep teaching us on, on a Wednesday night, I think we need to get it recorded for everybody out there that can continue to go over this and read it and, and, and more because... Man, this is good stuff. Amen? Amen. But I want to I want to encourage you tonight. Because when you're talking about, you know, the the taking the test and the, you know, seeing what's going on and, and if we've got bad wiring, and I, I know all of us have bad wiring. All of us can get rewired. Amen. Some of us are running on old old uh wiring and the old um remember the old wiring that they used to have in houses you find where now and then had that old black cord around it, you know, it was wired up. And, you know, we've got to have some wiring. Amen. Just can't carry the load that the Holy Ghost wants to do in us. But I want to pray for you. Don't be discouraged because he gave you something tonight. 
He was telling you a medical way, but you're forgetting. Oh, don't, don't, don't forget about the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That as you're doing this, that he's doing it in your brain. Amen. It's working. It's functioning. But I want to pray for you. So those of y'all in here, stand up. And, and those of you out watching, I just want you to grab hold of this right now. Because I know that the Holy Spirit has pricked things in you. And you, even as you've been listening to the teaching tonight, you've been, you've been thinking, man, that's something I keep going around and around. I, gotta, I need some what, wired, what fires together is wired together, and I need to have some unwiring and some new wiring. But I just believe you for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life to show you this and begin to just speak it. So I want to pray over you first, and then I want to pray over the offerings tonight. But Father, I just declare right now, everyone out there listening and watching, everyone in here right now, we just submit all of this to you, Lord. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost and what, through the Word of God, you have already shown us through years and years of teaching about renewing the mind, but now we know what's happening. We know what's literally taking place while we're doing this. So I declare that people that have been discouraged right now, you are encouraged. I declare that those those ways of thinking, those strongholds that have been in your life are broken right now by the anointing of God and that you see the victory that's yours. You begin to be able to see that victory is yours, that you're going to walk not as the old man, but as a new man, totally rewired in a new life. And Lord, I just declare that right now that it's going to bring healing. It's going to bring peace. It's going to bring grace, going to bring blessing into people's lives. And so, Lord, I praise you for that. And I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Y'all grab hold of that? Okay, so we got some work to do. We got some work to do out there. You got to get to go, getting some rewiring done, okay? But Dr. Brown, I don't believe you're through. I believe there's more that you've got to just come up with, you know, and just keep coming back in here on Wednesday nights and doing it, taking, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's good stuff. Amen. So anyway, take up our offering tonight. We've got the bucket in the back. We're just going to let you put it there when you go, but I want to pray over it. I want to pray over your finances. Everybody out there, I want you to pray over your finances and just believe that this is, you know, what the devil meant for evil. God's going to turn around for good to you because that's the kind of God he is. And it'll be the most successful year you've ever had. And at the end of 2020, you'll look and do the books and say, wow, how did we pull that off? And it'll be the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Father, bless them tonight. Bless all of the hands, Lord, that are givers. Lord, all of them out there, whether they're watching tonight or they're in the service right here, I just declare that their giving is blessed. Their finances are blessed. Lord, I declare that we are the head and we're not the tail. We are above and not belief. We do not lose, Lord. We do not go down. We go up. We prosper with you so we can rescue people around the world. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for blessing them, blessing the offering tonight, and blessing the people, Lord, as we work to continue to renew our minds in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.